Hey, folks, welcome to the Encuentros Latinx podcast, where we explore stories of spirituality, identity, and culture from Latinx perspectives. My name is Taylor Amaj. I'm an author and editor, and I'm Puerto Rican. This podcast is a project of Encuentros Latinx, an LGBTQ plus ministry in the United Church of Christ. My guest today is Kira Ming, business owner, author, and entrepreneur. We chat about reggaeton, our different experiences not being immediately seen as Latina, and being your best self with Law of Attraction. Let's get right into this encuentro. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Can you introduce us by giving us your name and pronouns? Thank you so much for having me, Taylor. Uh, so I go by Kira Ming. That's my pen name. That's what everybody knows me as. So glad to be here. Great. And what country or countries do you and your family come from? Yeah. So uh, based upon the nature of the show and the program, I rep República Dominicana, <laughs> so I'm, I'm. We'll get into that. I'm many different things, but but um, when it comes to my Latina heritage, that's the country that um, is is dear and near to me, and and that um, connects me with the community. So uh, I believe you are our first Dominican on hey. the show which is very exciting because I have had a thousand Boricuas on here, which of course, <laughs> no, I bet. It's, it's not, it's not intentional. It's it's not intentional, truly mm -hmm. it's just, but I did have a streak where like every other, yeah, I know. Yeah. Every <laughs> other person on the show is like, oh yeah, I'm Boricua. I'm Boricua. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to make sure I get some, <laughs> I need to try to get some it's other so, countries okay. in here. It's okay. Um, Go ahead and, and, but, and, and start so, off with your people. Yeah. <laughs> so what is a good memory that you have about the Dominican Republic or growing up with that heritage with you? Yeah, so for me is um and, and if if I go back and forth into Spanglish, uh if it's for authenticity purposes, uh let me know if you want me to uh yeah, clarify what we I'm welcome saying, it here. You know, the the audience I'm I'm sure uh, can understand a few well should be able to understand everything. But um, it's, for me, the music, la musica. Um, soy un bachatera. And so uh, that is, um, for those who don't know, uh, the music of the Dominican Republic, um, one of the original innate music genres. And it's the dance that goes with it. And um, it's, it's, it's my passion. It's my spirit. Uh, it, it has so many memories. I will never not be able to hear bachata and uh, move and dance. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> so it's for me, it's, it's, it's the music. The music is everything and the dance. I'm a dancer at heart. So every good memory I have is with La Musica. Awesome. Awesome. And that is a kind of a good segue um, into just your overall sense of your Latina identity and just some other things that help you to connect with it, to express it. Like, what, is, what does some of that look like for you? Hold on. So clarify for me a little bit. 
so I make sure I'm getting the, the question right. So this is uh, just getting into more of your own identity as a Latina. What helps you to feel connected with it and what else helps you to express it? Like it could really be anything, what, however yeah. that lands for you. It, it, is, yeah. it is pretty open-ended. Okay. Does that make sense? It does, which brings me back to yeah, okay. <laughs> the music. The music, um, mm-hmm. and, and the reason, and, and you understand mm-hmm. this, the reason it's such an important factor is that I think that our community, we are moved by music and by, um, and it's not to say that every group of people does not have, you know, their own form of expression, but I think, you know, for mi gente, it's a way to um, not just communicate, but 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 a way to tap into our spirit and into the essence of who we are. And I just I just come outside of myself when when I'm in a space where I hear, you know, music from my country, not just bachata, salsa, merengue, toro. It's just a connection that happens naturally. And it it, it lets you know, kind of that's how you know who you are by how you respond to for me to music and food and food. There's so many different parts of this. <laughs> there absolutely are and i mean you know for for me it's it's a little bit it's a little bit similar food was one of the stronger cultural connections that i had that was a constant growing up and um you know i'm, I'm always getting a little bit more into the music i know in in the past uh when we've talked before we've talked about like old school reggaeton mm-hmm. and you know, just all, all these different, yeah, all these, all these different musics that we have that it's just like, I remember the fir- the first time I ever heard reggaeton, I was in Puerto Rico, the first time I ever heard it. And wow. okay. I don't remember what year was it? It was some, somewhere in the mid, yeah, somewhere in the mid 2000s. And it was before it really crossed over to the States. And I remember hearing it like just outside Abuela's house, like someone was driving by just blasting uh-huh. the reggaeton because it's San Juan. And uh, and <laughs> I was like, this is awesome because it had a beat. It had rhythm. It had it had its own energy. And at, mm-hmm. I remember at that time, the the pop music that I was hearing on the radio in the mid 2000s was like it just didn't have that catchiness to it. And then I remember thinking, like, I would listen to more top 40 or whatever was playing on the radio, if it had a reggaeton beat, if it had this type of mm-hmm. soul to it. Yeah. You, you know, reggaeton is an interesting one because, and you and I have talked about this as well, reggaeton is is more so from mm-hmm. your country, from Puerto Rico. And the interesting part is that when we talk about the old school reggaeton, which is what I prefer, some people may wonder, like, uh, you know, what the difference is. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I kind of use mm-hmm. that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, the difference is kind of, how do I put this? As time goes, it becoming a little bit more commercial, mm-hmm. a lot more watered down. You know, when you phonetically, when you mm-hmm. hear reggaeton, reggae is the root word, reggae coming from, mm-hmm. you know, Jamaica mm-hmm. and, you know, Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and Jamaica, you know, are two islands that mixed back and forth and reggaeton is a product of, of that cultural mix. And it's very gritty. You know, when you listen to, um, I don't know, so many, uh, Playero, uh, older Daddy Yankee is so many Vico C, uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, like the Godfather. Um, you, you hear that, that, that grittiness, that, 
that really um, authentic reggaeton sound. And the more it became popular and caught on, mm-hmm. you know, that that kind of um, grittiness kind of went away a little bit. And um, that's that that's kind of how we got on that conversation of old school versus kind of what you hear now. Sometimes I hear reggaeton songs that don't even sound like reggaeton anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what they're going for, but mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's completely different. Yeah, that's a whole interesting conversation. And I, I'm glad to bring it up again, because that is something that that we've talked about. And I, I'm still like, I don't know a ton of reggaeton artists, but I, I'm getting just in general more into uh, just listening to Spanish pop music, because it's good. It's good for my own sense of yeah. building fluency and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even between like, some of the old, some of the older songs that I know, and by older I mean like I know some songs from the early like earlier two thousands, even even in the past like ten years ish, because mm-hmm. there there are newer songs that I like because I, I I'm not really super super picky, but like you know. <laughs> Just from my from my playlist, you know, I, I've got I've got an I've got an Ivy Queen song, which is yes. awesome. And then Love her. comparing that to uh, to Despacito, Despacito, not the Justin Bieber version. We don't we don't talk about that version. Just, <laughs> but and I, I like I like both of the songs that I have. You're hilarious. <laughs> I. I, I like both of the songs. <laughs> I like both of the songs that I have, but there is such a difference that this uh, Despacito, it, I mean, I, it is exactly what you were just talking about where, yeah, it has, it does have that reggaeton rhythm, but it is very mm-hmm. much a pop song. It very it much um, performed in a way that's like, yeah, of course it became a hit in the States. Like exactly. this, this is compared to some of the other songs that I've heard. So it's just, it, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, conversation and, and point of change. And especially as like, there's a greater Latinx presence in general in the United States, more of the pop mm-hmm. culture is crossing over. More people know mm-hmm. what reggaeton is. And like, I remember being blown away when I went to the club once when I was in my earlier twenties and all of a sudden at the end of the night, they're playing daddy Yankee. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> Yes. What? I've had those moments. Yeah. Um, and then it's so crazy because when, 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 you know, when you're out at a kind of a, um, I guess you want to call it a mainstream club, uh, and, and you get one of those gym magic moments mm-hmm. where they do play, a daddy Yankee or, you know, someone, um, artists of usually it's reggaeton because reggaeton is probably the easiest to translate for like young people partying. Mm-hmm. Um, that are not considered Hispanic, but mm-hmm. they, my friends would like gather around me and they like all look at mm-hmm. me like I was some type of performance person or something because <laughs> they knew I was going <laughs> to act a fool. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and I did. Um, because it's so rare. It was, it was so rare. Now, now it, it, it does depend on where you are and maybe, you know, maybe we'll get into that, but also demographically speaking, that's only here in Maryland, you know, where it's kind of a big deal because, you know, Maryland is not known for being mm-hmm. as diverse. And, you know, the groups of Hispanics here or however you identify are they vary from state to state, number mm-hmm. one. So 
in El Bronx mm -hmm. in Nueva York. That's, they're kind of used to that. Mm -hmm. That's in, you know, it's, it's ingrained in, in kind of the um, New York culture there. It's like a melting pot in Maryland. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like, what's that? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think just in the past couple of years at the fairgrounds, they just in the past couple of years have had like a Latino festival. And I don't remember that being there when I was growing up. And no, well, so I, I think, one. I think too, like Maryland, Baltimore, mm -hmm. I, I think it's, oh, there was ahead. another one. Yeah, no, uh, the one that I grew up going to was in um, uh, Patterson Park, actually. You may, you may be too young for that one to remember that mm -hmm. one, but. <laughs> I mean, the only way I would have even known about, about that would be if my mom knew about it. Uh, because okay, other yeah, other than yeah. that, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have had exposure to it. But yeah, his name was um the director. His name was uh, Jose Ruiz. Jose Ruiz, and um it it was every year, and it was every country. It was food. It was it was dance. It was music. You got to you know wear your flag. It was it was it was it was pretty good. It's the best mm -hmm. that you're going to get. <laughs> for Maryland as far as bringing, <laughs> you know, all of us together. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of disappeared. It went away. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I've seen statistics that in the state of Maryland that, I mean, I guess like everywhere kind of, there is a growing Latino Latinx population. Uh, but it's not, I mean, we don't have, it, it's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not Orlando, Miami. Exactly. It's, it's, we don't, I still don't think we don't have like the entrenched, you know, generations of folks who have lived and, mm -hmm. and shaped the area in a, in a major way. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's definitely different. It's, it's a difference. You, you, I mean, you know, the difference, you can feel the difference. I feel like there was a time where um, Fells Point was a thriving Latino community. I mean, it was, um, you know, the restaurants, uh, Don Pedro's, uh, Para La Musica, the clubs, it was uh, clothing, it was resources, it was everything. And now you go to Fells Point and it's just, it's, it's almost like it wasn't even there. So it's pretty sad. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think there, in, in some respects, there are so few like popular mainstream narratives about, you know, what a Latinx looks like and what it looks like to be mm -hmm. in, in that culture. And I, th I think there are a lot of our folks who don't live in the cultural epicenters who aren't in New York, not in mm -hmm. Chicago, not, not in some of these places that we, we typically think of as, as cultural epicenters, because that's where a lot of folks in past generations and diaspora have, have migrated to and, and settled. And so I think there are a lot of, a lot of us out there who feel like, you know, we're not connected to a wider community. We're not connect as connected to our identities. Um, because we live in like rural North Carolina or, you know, mm -hmm. wherever it is that people mm -hmm. are actually located. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, like, I, I think, I think it's important to just, you know, to affirm, you know, everybody's, everybody's identity, um, and that you can, 
part of this this show is about like you can you can connect to your roots and and your people Mm -hmm. you don't it's okay that you don't live you know in these in these places where you don't have a lot of exposure to it you can Mm -hmm. still find those connections absolutely I feel like you have to be intentional about it especially like you said um kind of the different how do I put this the different hmm, kind of the different identities and what I mean by that is you know you you can't have a conversation about this and not kind of touch on the stereotypes surrounded um around um hispanic kind of this this the stereotypes and the perception and and what I mean by that is you know when when you you're dealing with a few things you're not just dealing with a lot of people not being a, a part of a certain group or a small group in this state versus a larger group in this state you're you're dealing with lack of exposure and lack of knowledge in how to perceive a group of people and let them tell you what, you know, their identity is and what, you know, what runs the gamut. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, it's hard to explain sometimes, and I dealt with this growing up, uh, in Maryland to certain groups of people that do not identify as Latino or Hispanic, that Hispanics, Latinos, however you're identifying, come all different colors. And that um, you are not Spanish unless you are from mm-hmm. Spain. So we come, you know, from shades of dark, mm-hmm. dark to shades of lighter and whiter. Mm-hmm. And everybody, uh, you know, number one, it's, mm-hmm. it's their community. And number two, can have the Spanish bloodline from the mother country of Spain. But that you're going to find different mixtures. I mean, you go to Puerto Rico everyone does not look like Jennifer Lopez, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was hard to explain that to people in Maryland. Right. right. Um, you know, you go to Republica Dominicana, everybody's not one shade there. You know, j- we're just now, thanks to kind of pop culture, starting to understand that we come in all different shades, colors. Um, you know, if anybody watches Love and Hip Hop or whatever, Amalina Negra, she is uh, kind of like my superhero, because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> she is a proud Dominicana and she is here to inform. She is here to say, uh, you know, pretty much read a book. If you are not familiar that we come in all different forms, shapes, sizes, colors. And she, you know, she educates people. You you don't get mm-hmm. to tell people, oh, you're this shade. You look like this. So denounce this part of you. Uh, no, no, because at that point, when does it, where's the line mm-hmm. draw? Because, you know, you have people like Ricky Martin that has, you know, he's Puerto Rican and he's given ode to the fact that he has African ancestry, like many Puerto Ricans do, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. because he, you know, mm-hmm. is, is not browner in shade, does it stop there? Because he looks, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more in alignment with what people perceive a, you know, a Hispanic person looks like. And so then you have to educate and then you have to, it gets exhausting Mm -hmm. after a little bit, but it's definitely becoming Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. as people are learning. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and my mother always says, uh, Mm -hmm. each one teach one. (laughs) Oh, your mother. I have a, I have a lovely story about your mother. She is, she is special. Yeah. (laughs) She, she does not play. She's like, Oh, you're going to learn today. This is the history of this country. This is the history of this. This is mm-hmm. it this thing doesn't mean that thing. Learn. And that's where I kind of get my mindset from. 
I, I had the pleasure of meeting your mother. It was um, it was at Artscape several years back now, and um, yeah. th- this is how this is how I remember it. Um, maybe you remember the order of events a little bit differently, uh, but the way that I remember it is that she finally showed up uh, because I think she. Uh, she was coming and was several hours delayed, um, which, uh, you know, <laughs> is, is totally, <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> I remember when you were introducing, <laughs> you were, you were introducing her, I think you said, mom, guess what she is. And could, like, t- you know, pointing, yep. pointing to me because I think we were, you were trying to get her to see like, okay. And then, and then she, she looked at me, she like, she looked at me, gave me a really good look, like really the way that she looked at me was like, she was truly like trying to see me, like see mm-hmm. my, my whole entire self. And so she, she had that pause for a few moments and then she's like, Colombiana. And I'm like, no. And she's like, she's like Argentina. And she's like naming all of, she's like naming all of South America and all of Central America. And then we're at, we're having this like little guessing game where she's just like naming the different places. And then finally I'm like, I'm like Boricua. And she's like, no, no, I think, and then, you know, I think she knows she, she, you know, you remember she guessed. No, she knew. Remember? Because I think that's did she, what. Did that's she guess? What, yeah, she knew. She knew. Now I don't know whether she took guesses before, but she ended up knowing, and that's when you were like, "Wow, mm-hmm. how did you know?" Uh, because no, yeah. she she knew. Because what I was telling her, I wanted to um, trick her up. Was the point? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that she know. Right. Uh, right. Because I remember when I first met you, I thought you were like. Uh, perhaps Asian and white or, you know, you, you, you have a, a unique look. So I, I couldn't place you mm-hmm. myself. Um, <laughs> but no, she, no, she knew, she said she mm-hmm. knew when she first saw you, she probably was just guessing the country, but no, she ended up knowing. She says that you look like many of the Boricuas that she knew and, and grew up with. So she, she always talks about mm-hmm. that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's a moment that really stands out in, in my mind because I really have a lot of a lot of experience of um, of that not being seen, and mm. even though I mean, to, you know, people that are re- that are really you know mixed and can really easily pass as white, like I can or I can or, or easily pass as, mm-hmm. as whatever else, and not be like fully perceived. You know, may, maybe they people have different feelings about about this type of thing, but in that moment, I felt mm-hmm. really actually affirmed that we had that, Mm -hmm. that guessing game type of thing going on and that, and that she just saw it because a lot of times, you know, people, people don't, people might not know until I say something. Exactly. You know, that's, that's kind of, that tends to be, to be my, my experience. And so, and so her having that experience with her was like, okay, this, this is something that I, that I really can claim it, it, you know, I can, I can live into this and, and be more and more, um, authentic because that, that is something that I, that I struggle with. And I think a lot of, um, of Latinx folks who have some type of cultural distance, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a big struggle for a lot of folks to like feel this imposter syndrome or, or what have you. So that, to, so to have your mom, like, you know, 
see me in that way was just very much like, okay, yeah, like this is, I, I belong with this, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. She goes around collecting people. She doesn't let anybody go. Like she, <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't care if, if, if not even that girl you know, on the train, it's, it's, nobody, nobody. She doesn't care if it's one fourth. She doesn't care if it's part. She said, <laughs> I don't care what percentage this is a part of you and your identity. How do you just pick and choose? No, you need to own that part. Um, and, and, you know, it's crazy. You, you deal, you've dealt with that the other way, kind of phenotypically looking, you know, whiter mm-hmm. and, and, and experiencing where people don't necessarily mm-hmm. place you amongst a group of people. And I've dealt with it, you know, the other way uh, for the most part being, you know, growing up in a pretty much right. completely African-American community especially in, in, again, in Maryland, they, they, they weren't really informed. Um, and so for me, um, I just don't let anybody put me in a box. You don't get to tell me my identity. I tell you, and I, I connect with, mm-hmm. with what's mm-hmm. mine to connect with, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm glad my mother was able mm-hmm. to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Aha moment for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and since then, I, I mean, I, I've had various other just kind of little experiences like that where it's, it's just interesting. Like, how am I going to be perceived today? I, I truly, I truly never know because sometimes, sometimes I like, I'll get, you know, my medical information from doctors and even no matter how I fill out the form, they're like, Oh, Taylor is a pleasant white lady. Who's I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, but then other times I'll get people like, what, what's, what's your ethnicity? What, what, what ethnicity are you? Your hair is so, your hair is so dark. Like, what is that? Like mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. some people kind of pick up on a little bit of something and they yeah. can't quite place it. And I usually, for the most part, those kinds of, of questions are not like, it's not like, what are you? What, like, where are you from in a hostile way? It's more, it's more right. like, it's more like a, a, a curiosity or it's more, it, it has a more positive energy to it than like an invasive energy yeah, to it I in mean, my yeah. experience. But I think it's a good thing. It, it doesn't, it doesn't offend mm-hmm. me at all. You know, it's crazy Taylor because I get, um, I've, the, this is nuts. The most that I get day to day, this is my whole life is Blasian part Asian. I have people who don't believe that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that because phenotypically that's what I, I mean, like eyes and, and it, black and Asian, they're like, that. Mm-hmm. that's it. If they have to guess, that's what they guess. I get Asian mm-hmm. people say that that's what you are. And then they mm-hmm. say, if they feel like I look like their country, mm-hmm. they say you're lying. It's, um, <laughs> it's all the time. So you, you really do have to ask. You really do have to yeah. ask because, you know, how people mm-hmm. look or, or whatever, you never know. Right. Right. Well, I've, I've been seeing, I saw the, this really funny, uh, TikTok on Instagram. Cause you know, people are always cross posting those. And yeah. it was, um, it was of the, of this young woman who, um, she, she's, you know, she's Asian. And I guess this is like a, a format lately with some videos where like, cause she's mm-hmm. in her car and she's saying, she's saying, Oh, I'm talking to this Latino. And he's like, and, and this Latino boy I'm talking to, He's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you're not Latina because Latina girls are always are breaking my heart. And then she, she like pauses dramatically for a second and she looks at the, at the camera. And then in Spanish, she's like, and who told you I'm not Latina? It's, and it's like a telenovela all of a sudden. And, she, and she's know. like, she's like, 
yo nunca dije eso. <laughs> Period. Because who told you? Yeah, you listen, this is it, it, it it's yeah. Right. The the video it's made out to be like a funny yeah it's it's made out to be like a funny thing the the video um it's and I've seen a couple of other videos in the same format with like different countries and and different languages and people kind of pulling that out as like a you know dramatic drama moment in the in the TV show but that Hilarious. that's exactly how it is and mm -hmm. and so it just you know it just reminds me of all of it's that. the truth listen when I'm out. It happens to me all the time. It happens in supermarkets. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I have fun with it. Just because, mm -hmm. listen, si tu eres una de mi gente, yeah. ya tu sabe, you already understand and you already know this, so mm -hmm. you know better mm -hmm. than to assume, right? And, you know, me and my mother will be in the mm -hmm. market and, um, you know, it, it, there's an assumption and I'll just wait and I'll be silent and then that's when I'll I'll go into Spanish and, and then it's, it's it's like they freeze because uh, yeah mira mira ya tú sabes that's what you get because <laughs> you assumed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you assumed you never know you never know it's fun to me mm -hmm. though at this point I have loads of fun yeah that reminds me of a of a story that I have where um, I was still at work. And the uh, the cleaning people were coming into the office to to do the, uh -huh. the cleaning, and they're they're both talking in Spanish about like I don't know what kind of company this is or like, they're like talking about the the work that it is and and I'm like the only one who's still in the office, okay. <laughs> and so then at, at one point and and my my Spanish is such that like I. Some sometimes I can completely understand a conversation, and other times mm -hmm. I'm lost. Um, this was a time <laughs> where I really understood what what they were saying, and then like in the middle of their conversation, they're like, "What?" They're because they're asking like, "Oh, what kind of company is, is this?" I don't know, I don't know. And then I like turn to them like, "Oh, this this is this kind of company, and we do we do this type of thing." And then they just they're just like, well, "You can understand." I'm like I'm like I'm Puerto Rican, and they're like, "Oh," See? and then they're like, "Oh, the Puerto Ricans never they don't know any Spanish," and just we just <laughs> kind of went from there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first well, right, i've never heard that one well i th i think i think it has to do with like like talking about second generation specifically ah, okay. and yeah, just true I, I i don't know but so that was a little like i i have little moments like that every once in a while that are just that's kind funny. of like they're, they're more like fun or funny or lighthearted or they're positive interactions as opposed to like, you know, oh, what are you really? Like some of that, that really more like, you know, mm. more aggressive questioning that some people will get. So, which is also like an experience that a lot of people have. And, it, you know, that can be really, really invasive and, um, you know, really make people uncomfortable. So, so I would love to get into your experiences with spirituality and religion. What was what is that like for you? How has that fed you throughout your life and how has that shifted throughout your life? Sure. So for me it's about a relationship and not so much religion. That's how I was raised. You know, my mom always made sure that she she made sure I knew to focus on having a relationship with God as opposed to just going through the motions. So um was raised Catholic. <laughs> what what a surprise, right? Raised Catholic and uh, <laughs> uh still still um I consider myself devout, but it's more so about the relationship for me as opposed to um 
you know, all the hangups that people have. I try to walk in love as cornbally as it sounds. Um, I think that when you embody God, he shows through with how you live your life. So it sounds very cookie cutter, but it's true. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes sometimes simplicity is uh, is the best truth. I know one thing that we would talk about a lot is this whole concept of law of attraction, which mm. kind of touches into to spirituality, but also the, especially the way that you have talked about it gets into just all these other aspects of, of your life. So I would, I would actually love to hear you expound on your understanding of law of attraction and how that like informs your mindset and your, your approach to everything that you that you do because we've had really good talks about it and I'd love to get it uh, captured here on the show. Yes, um, law of attraction is my absolute fave, and yes, we've talked about it quite a bit because you are a lifelong learner, and and you're open to new concepts of you know reality and and of kind of existence and mindset and so law of attraction is literally what I live by it's a real thing it's powerful and it it literally changes lives so I I guess I guess it makes more sense to kind of talk about what law of attraction is to me um as far as like a loose definition Mm -hmm. and um just kind of how I live by it so basically it's it's In a nutshell, the concept of we do not attract what we want or we don't attract based on what we want. We attract based on who we are. And there's so many different aspects to it. But I'd like to think of it as showing up as your, you know, in the highest form of yourself, even before you start to see things that are in alignment with that, knowing that you will attract what is in alignment with how you're showing up and and to not make it sound confusing. Basically it's, Mm. it's really about kind of not asking for permission. Mm. I'm just not a big fan of, of waiting on anyone to give you permission to show up as, as your best self, as opposed to creating the, the divine image of yourself that you feel you're destined to be choosing to show up in that way and knowing that you'll start to attract things that are in alignment with that instead of waiting. And that's in, you know, in, in any area of your life. But I think for me, for the most part, it's been professionally career reaching goals. A lot of times I think we want things in life and we chase them, we chase them, we chase them. I, you know, we say, I want this and I want that. Um, but law of attraction is more so about saying, I have this, I have that. I am this, I am that, and then having that become a reality and manifesting it. So it's, it, I think it's a few keywords. It's manifestation, you know, manifesting who you're supposed to be, who you want to be, who you're destined to be, manifesting what you want in life. Um, I think another key word is visualization. I always recommend people to take a moment, even if it's like an hour out of the day. I know people, I think people used to refer to it, not used to daydreaming it's not daydreaming it's it's visualization and it's it's really taking time to see yourself how you want to see yourself and where and what it looks like what it feels like 
because as, as generic as it sounds, I think once you can visualize something, it now can become reality. And I know it because I've literally lived it. I, I use it in every area of my life. I've practiced it. It's worked. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's a real thing. Um, it, it's, it's a very complex concept, but it's the most easiest con- concept that I think we can ever learn. I think we over we overthink it a lot of times. You know, if you are, let me give you an example. I've heard people say, oh, well, I want to be a writer, right? And then you are a writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you write, you are right. a writer and begin to show up in, 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 in that gift. I think God created, uh, and, and I always tell my mother this, not that I need to tell her anything, but just in our discussions, <laughs> I always say that, uh, right? She, that she knows it all. But um, mm-hmm. I always say that God sent each one of us here with gifts and we are to use our gifts to elevate our lives, whatever that means to us, whatever that means. That's all that law of attraction is to me. It's using your gifts and what you were innately sent here with to elevate your life and to show up large and big and shine. I mean, it's different for everybody. Some people want to do it to uh, make a big impact or some people want to do it because they have a voice, they have a message. Other people do it because it makes them feel whole to show up in a certain way. Everyone's path is different, um, but you have to show up for it. I think that's really what it boils down to. You have to show up for it and no one can give you permission Mm -hmm. to do that but you. Mm. Yeah, and really our conversations that we've had in the past that was the first time that I was ever exposed to the this concept of law of attraction. And it, it took me a few of our long talks to like begin to to understand it. And and I just it's just something that every time I hear about that, like I always associate it with you because you were the the person that introduced it to me because I hadn't heard about it before. And and I think I think about that like cause I cause I started well, cause I, I started to try to apply some of those, some of those principles. Like before I started this podcast, it was like two or three years ago now that I started listening to podcasts. And I just kept saying Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, it'd be so cool if I could be on a podcast or be a podcast. Mm -hmm. I just, I got Mm -hmm. into the format and I was like, this just seems like such a cool, like a cool thing that would be really fun to do. And then I, I started to uh, to adopt more of this principle of like speak it into existence, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. you know throwing throwing it out there in, into the universe. And then you know what what do I know? Like uh, you know a couple years down the road since I started like you know feeling that and really really wanting to do that, that I get the opportunity to do a podcast. So that's just, that's just one example that that I've had recently. Another like super, super. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm so excited about this part. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was just going to give an even more recent example, like very, very recently there, there's a a fantasy author named NK Jemison. And if you write fantasy or paying attention to that space at all, you know who she is. She is easily one of the best, if not the best fantasy authors writing today. And I recently read a short story of hers. I I read the first in her Broken Earth series. The first book of hers is called The Fifth Season in that series. Just what she does on a literary craft level and in Mm. fantasy, it's just it's just amazing. Awesome. And and so more recently though, I read a short story of hers. 
And I, and I said, I finished that short story and I went on to Twitter and I said, if N.K. Jemison ever teaches a writing seminar, any type of class, like I'm going to be a student of hers. And lo mm. and behold, I said this like, you know, two weeks ago, right? I, mm-hmm. I just went on Twitter because I was like feeling so like this story is so good that she wrote and I just I really want to learn from her. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, a couple of days ago, I, I find out I see on Twitter that Masterclass has published a course where N.K. Jemison is teaching fantasy, science, science fiction, craft She's teaching a writing class like on Masterclass. And I'm like, I mean, crazy. not that I personally like conjured it, but but just, and of course, making a course like that, of course, it was d- decided, you know, months in advance or, or yeah, whenever. But, look at but the it's, timing, it's just the, look at the timing. It's just the, the coincidence of it. Yeah, the timing of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's exactly, exactly what it is. So it, and, but the, and the thing is, and I remember you told me this too when we were talking about law of attraction where it takes a minute, like you just, you kind of have to trust the process a little bit. And that exactly. was true for me. Like when I was listening to you talk about it and then starting like kind of being open to it and thinking about it and then just trying to like apply some of it a little bit here, a little bit there, even sometimes unconsciously. And then, mm-hmm. you know, certain things would manifest in my life. And I would look back and be like, oh, that's what, that's what Kira was talking about. You know, and the, the it crazy is thing? really cool when you when you kind of open yourself a little bit to it. Yeah, I have I've literally and this is it's for, you know for everybody listening, I have literally watched you kind of like you said even subconsciously apply the law of attraction, and I mm-hmm. I scroll and I watch and I mm-hmm. see, and I'm cracking up because I remember you know talking about it and and, and kind of trying to introduce you to it and you're, you know, always a listener, always open to learn, but probably I'm like, she's probably like, what in the world is she talking about? And as mm-hmm. I see things unfold for you, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. This is, this is exactly what I'm, but it moves yep. so quickly. Yep. Like it may have seemed like yep. a long time for you, mm-hmm. but when I'm watching it unfold, I knew exactly with you and what you're doing, what I was saying. And I said, mm-hmm. I was so proud. I said, I said, this is, this is, this is, this is what she's, she's, she's living it. She's seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and you know, it, it is, it is kind of, um, sort, sort of connected, uh, to some phrases that we do get from, from scriptures. I, I, I sort of liken it a little bit to asking you shall receive mm-hmm. the, this whole idea of speaking something into existence. We get, we, mm-hmm. we hear that a lot in, in Christianity mm-hmm. too. So there, there absolutely is, you know, crossover between law of attraction and some of the language that we have, um, in our different faith traditions. Although law of attraction is really like, it, it's not, necessarily tied to any specific religious tradition it's 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 really general enough to kind of be you know to kind of be its own thing i'm glad that you brought that up um because that's the thing it it is it's not tied to any one religion at all it's it's one of those things that i consider universal law and even if you don't want to you know use that term to make it sound so serious it's just really kind of i mean take if you even take away the word law, it really is just mindset. 
but it's not tied to any one religion. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just mindset and how you show up in the world. And that's what I love about it is that everyone can can adapt it. Everyone can live it, um, can learn about it. And it hasn't it's not tied to anything but your mindset to show up in this world. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of just mindset showing up and how this actually works, what is the work that you're doing? Tell us all about your work. Sure. Oh my gosh. Um, it encompasses so much, but in a nutshell. So I am a, a published author. My book is called um, Small Business Big Success. I own a magazine. I actually started that magazine over a decade ago. Um, so it's over 10 years old. I uh, am an independent journalist and contributing writer. Um, so I have columns under uh, Huffington Post and a few other ones. And uh, my bread and butter, <laughs> uh, what pays the bills, I'm a business content developer. So, you know, think content writing, copywriting, and communications for businesses is my thing. So uh, all of those together kind of encompass, you know, who I am. And it's crazy uh, for me. I'm very blessed in that what I do professionally is a direct reflection of of who I am innately. I am a wordsmith. I deal in words. Hmm. Words are how I show up in life. They're literally a part of like my um, genetic makeup is words, the use of words, the mastery of words, the arrangement of words, um, the understanding of words, the interpretation of words. And so I'm blessed that for me, it's not just work. It's literally kind of how I'm wired. So it's, 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 it's my gift and and I'm grateful that I can use it to, you know, kind of, you know, be not kind of be successful (laughs) and elevate myself in my Mm -hmm. life. So that that's great. And, um, and of course, you know, I relate to that as a writer too. I, I think pretty much all writers are like this when it comes to the written word and anything that we can do with it, um, as far as mm-hmm. like a career or what have you is just, it's just what is going to happen. <laughs> like mm. I feel lucky to have a, a day job that is adjacent to, I work, I work in um, educational content development. So it's, it's adjacent to like the book publishing stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while not being like an exact crossover. So I, I don't get like super burned out from either thing, but it's just it, like, I have been able to sort of, you know, just like, like you kind of craft my, my life and what I do around words and stories mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. be, being able to to do that. And I think, I think, I think it, you know, of course it connects to law of attraction too, because it, it's, what, it's what I put the most energy into, like when I was young and growing mm-hmm. up and what I studied in college. And so it just like, you know, it manifested in, in these, in mm-hmm. these ways. And, and I think, you know, I, I love having writers on the show, especially ones who, you know, were making a living off of doing it, e- even though like some parts of making a living as a writer might not be the most glamorous or the most exciting, but having that flexibility to then do your creative projects or, or do the projects mm-hmm. that are really exciting to you from a writing standpoint is what exactly. helps with that, with that fulfillment. And that is, that is 
a possibility for anybody who is like, I want to be a writer, but I'm afraid about money or, or whatever it might be, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You said that because, huh, and you and I've talked about this, you know, this too, me kind of being um, an introvert and no one ever believes it, but mm-hmm. the crazy part is, I, I mean, I, I absolutely am, but when I'm passionate about something then I kind of like open up, but I know mm-hmm. what you just talked about as far as writers being concerned about making money and how they become successful from what they do, which is right. And that's what kind of, uh, how do I put this? That's what sparked me to start actually showing up at as a higher level of myself. And I've been really fortunate to have been able to speak at um, events and serve as keynote speaker and a panelist and host workshops and give courses to literally show writers how to use what they do, any genre, and make money, mm-hmm. get speaking engagements, build a community, mm-hmm. have opportunities. Because being a writer does not mean being broke. <laughs> it should not be any different than any other field mm-hmm. where you get to use what you do well and have it mm-hmm. lift you up. And so I'm I'm all for the winning writer. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I've worked with people, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, when you spoke of um, kind of the fantasy genre, I have one student who, she's just mm-hmm. a brilliant writer and she she writes, uh, but not just fantasy, there's, mm-hmm. a, she's like, a, oh my gosh, it's like a, a, a subgenre that's kind of her own special thing. So it's like mm-hmm. fantasy, but like with a, like a, a sci-fi twist, but she, you know, took my boot mm-hmm. camp and at the end of it, she took it and ran. And then I have some, you know, other nonfiction writers and I have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm stepping into, after being a nonfiction writer into um, fiction, which is a very scary space because it is very mm-hmm. rare for people to cross genres. Mm-hmm. To, to, to be a fan of Stephen King and <laughs> to have that, you know, be my mm-hmm. favorite author, but to be a nonfiction writer and to pretty much be going and doing both is very scary, but I don't believe in boxes. Mm. And so that's my whole Mm. thing is you create your own path. You carve your own destiny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there certainly are authors who, um, who do both fiction and nonfiction. I, I do agree with you that it is, it is pretty rare simply because there are lots of reasons for that. Like the, the markets and mm-hmm. even the paths to publication between fiction and nonfiction are, are like, exactly. there, there's a lot of really stark differences. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, I mean, I, th- I think because fiction prose fiction is my, the first manifestation of my writing that I ever had, but I learned poetry. I learned how to do nonfiction mm-hmm. and like essays and articles, uh, you know, through high school, through college, especially. And mm-hmm. I can do, I can do all of that. And, and of course, with my day job working in developing educational content, a lot of that is, I mean, curriculum is nonfiction. And so, so again, it's, it's to, it's to that point, like it's, it's, it's a skill that, that you can build and you don't have to box yourself in and whether, whether, you know, we're talking about writing, but this applies to so many other things too. Like the, yeah, we we took, we took over, we took over, sorry. The, it's okay. No, the the because you know what what I'll what I'll say is that there the things like genre, like oh this is fiction, this is nonfiction, this is fantasy, like th- that's all kind of like the surface stuff. Mm-hmm. 
what what's underneath of that is the ability to articulate an idea, communicate an idea. And yeah, you want to learn the conventions of this is how you do it in romance fiction. This is how you might do it mm-hmm. in science fiction. Like all, all of that is like decoration on, on the right. foundation. Um, and once mm-hmm. you get down to that foundation, learning about that foundation and you understand that, well, then it's really not a big thing to take that foundation from one area that you know about and apply it to a new area that you're trying to manifest. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I actually, I've, I've done, I've spoken at like uh, workshops where um, they asked me a question about how I apply fiction elements to nonfiction writing. And I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I write in a very kind mm-hmm. of imaginative style where it's like a vignette and I take people on a journey so really, mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. already both meshing together. You know what I mean? So I, I agree with you that it's, that's mm-hmm. more like the bells and mm-hmm. the whistles of how you present your work. But it's, mm-hmm. it's really about the ideation of what's in your mind. Yeah. Well, speaking of what is in your mind, do you have an excerpt of any of your work that you are ready and willing to share with us? We would love to take a few minutes to hear from that. Sure. I have so many, but let me. So while I'm pulling up what random excerpt I'd like to share, I'll explain kind of what it's about. Um, So I'm going to share an excerpt from uh, my book, Small Business, Big Success. The whole purpose of the book was after running a magazine for over a decade, people had a lot of questions. They would say, business owners specifically, how did you do this? How did you do that? And it just made sense for me to put it into book form. So that's what I did. I'm trying to think of the best one. I think for everyone across industries, um, no matter what you do or what your talent, skill, gift is, quote, when it comes to running a successful business, you must know the why. Without the why, you won't go very far. To give some context, that part of the book was kind of just exploring when things get difficult. Now, it doesn't have to be for business owners. It could be for someone who has a career, you know, strong career goals, or it could be for someone who, you know, just has a voice or a platform, a message. Uh, When things get difficult, because it's not going to be all roses and skipping (laughs) throughout life, you have to know the why. And the why is kind of that moment where we say, you know, why am I doing this? What is the point? Is it in alignment? Because in my opinion, the why is what keeps you going when things kind of go off the beaten path. I think that's one of my my favorite excerpts from the book. It's kind of that reminder of stay centered in the why. Why are you doing this? Because if you are not attached to the why, life happening and things being beyond your control will completely take you off path. Hmm. Yeah, I th- I think that's that's great. And it's Again, it's something so simple, right? Like it's a simple, short thing, but then also it carries so many implications for how we how we conduct ourselves. And I, I know there might be a lot of like uh, ministers um, and clergy folk listening to this, people who are involved in different forms of 
of activism or justice work, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. the it's the same thing. It, it's that you have to have that that why for anything that you're doing because without it, that's how you get burnt out. That's how mm-hmm. you sort of lose sense of what work needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, again, you know, here 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 you are uh, serving us these universal. <laughs> These universal concepts, uh, Miss Law of Attraction. Listen, they're so simple. It's I'm, I'm definitely mm-hmm. um, I exist in a very paradox way. I'm very complex, so I'm a Gemini, and mm-hmm. I am one of those people that believes that, that absolutely has something to do with my personality mm-hmm. and in kind of how I exist. Mm-hmm. But I am probably the most complex, simplistic person ever. I, I really do think that people, mm. and I also think a part of that is being Catholic as well. My ability to silence myself, listen, mm-hmm. and get a simple answer of direction, mm. and it's so very simple, but it's so it's so very powerful. I feel like as much as I I operate and live in words, the simplicity of clarity that I get sometimes is what drives me forward. So I just go with it. <laughs> well, that. I think is a is great. Where can folks keep up with you and your work? How can we find you on the various uh, platforms that you exist on? Yeah, I'm always everywhere using up my data. Um, so <laughs> people can uh, connect <laughs> with me, can connect with me on uh, Facebook uh, at www.facebook.com slash the real Kira Ming on Instagram and Twitter is the same handle, the real Kira Ming. And um, you can go to my official website at www.therealkiraming.com. And my book, Small Business Big Success, can be found. You can purchase it either through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And just Google as well. I'm, I'm very fortunate to kind of, um, from the work that I've done, be able to you know, show up and, you know, have everything that I've worked on come up pretty easily in case people forget my handle. You can, you can always find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the show. This was a great conversation. And I know, you know, that you and I could go on for a very, very long time about some of the deep stuff that, you know, (laughs) we only scratched the surface on some of the conversations we've had. But uh, thanks Absolutely. so much for coming on and and just give it, giving us a little sense of that. It's been great. Thank you for having me. It's a perfect way to start off my day. And, and I learned some things about myself. So thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this. On behalf of Encuentros Latinx, we hope you'll join us on our next Encuentro.